0: Welcome to my office hours. I'm your host, Lisa Romig. What's that I hear? What's that coming out of the thicket? Is it a lamb? Is it a lion? It's both. Join me in my three-part series entitled Out of the Thicket, where I'm going to lay down the foundation for both characteristics, the lion and the lamb, found in our King and Savior, Jesus. I'm kicking off a series today entitled, Out of the Thicket, the Lion and the Lamb. Most Christians know that Jesus is referred to as the Lamb, and he's also referred to as the Lion in Scripture. However, most of them probably couldn't tell you exactly why he's referred to as those things. Throughout the next three episodes, my hope is is that there'll be more clarity for you in understanding who your Lord and Savior, King Jesus, really is. I want to go ahead and kick off today. We're going to be spending some time in Genesis 22. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. And if not, um, you can go ahead and listen along. In Genesis 22, we see that God is testing Abraham. And some of you may not be familiar with the character of Abraham. So I want to lay out a foundation for you if you do not have that. Abraham was a friend of God. He was known in the beginning um, in Genesis as Abram. And Abram was promised three things by God. He was promised land. He was promised a seed or an heir. And he was promised blessing um, that all families of the world would be blessed through him. In chapter 12 in Genesis, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that will bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is where we start to see Abram on the scene. Real quick, Abram becomes Abraham, the Lord changes his name later on, but we're talking about the same person. In chapter 15, the Lord is continuing this conversation over a period of time with Abram, and Abram cries out to the Lord and says, I don't have an offspring. He does not have an heir, and he is beginning to think that the heir will be one of his household staff. And the Lord replies to him and says, this man shall not be your heir, but your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and the number of the stars if you are able to number them. And then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And I want to mark that for you. Abram believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So what you see in the beginning here is Abram's relationship with God. He's considered a friend of God. And of course, now he is being counted righteous because he had faith in what God was telling him. Isaac is born, and we move into years after Sarah has died, his wife, and God asked something of Abraham, which most of us um, can't even begin to comprehend, but he asked him to go and sacrifice Isaac. And so I want to pick this up, and this is where we're going to spend the majority of our text today, with the sacrifice of Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And the Lord said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. I want to mark the word burnt offering for you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering because you need fire and arose and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now, I want to stop right here and explain to you what this looks like. So at this time in life, Abraham, of course, is much, much older. Um, He was in his 90s, uh, excuse me, close to 100 when Isaac is born. And so Isaac... From this, he's referred to as a boy, but most people would tell you that at this time in his life, Isaac is probably in his late 20s or his 30s. So he's not a young boy. He's young, but he's not a young boy. So here is a young man going with his father up to offer a burnt offering. And so when you offer a burnt offering, you would climb up to the highest point, a high place, so to speak, um, is where you would offer it. So there would be nothing between you and the Lord God. So I want you to imagine that you have to go up this mountain, you have to take your offering, and you have to take um, all the supplies to be able to offer. That would be your wood to burn parts of it, it would also be um, your knife to cut it, all the things that you would need. So they would have donkeys and they would travel. I had an opportunity to be in Jordan and go up to a high place uh, in Petra, and I wanted to see it. And so you would rise, walk up this pathway, and it was a mile up. So we're not talking something that would have been easy to get to. That's why idol worship is so condemned by the Lord in the Old Testament, because you didn't just happen upon this type of offering. It is something you chose to do, and it was something that you had to make uh, proper preparations to do. So Abraham told the young men that were with him, stay here with the donkey, and we're going to go over there and worship. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife. And so they both went up of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And Isaac said, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? He's a very smart boy. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they both went, went together. I want to mark that for you as well in verse 8. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. That is Abraham's reply. There will be a burnt offering. When they came to the place on which the Lord had told him, Abraham built the altar, and there laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son, I want to note that it says, bound Isaac, his son. Again, his son could have fought him. He chose not to, but he did bind his son. So let's go and try to apply this to something. Here is a man in his 30s, roughly, who has been bound and is going to be offered up as a sacrifice. And he was uh, Abraham laid him on the altar. And again, this grown man could have easily overpowered Abraham, but chose to be obedient to his father. Then Abram reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Now, ram, you may or may not know, is a male sheep. So Here is a sheep that happens to be on the mountain with them, a male sheep, and he is caught in the thicket, which is one of the reasons why this particular uh, series is called Out of the Thicket. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide as it is to this day on the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So I want you to kind of wrap your head around this. Here's an older man taking his beloved son to be sacrificed um, and offered up as an offering. He goes up with all the supplies to do it. His son realizes what is happening. His son willingly is bound and his son willingly gets on the altar. But before blood can be drawn, a lamb is found and he is sacrificed because the Lord has provided it. If you continue on in Genesis 12, moving on, uh, 22, I'm sorry, down to verse 17, the Lord gives a few more things, more blessings inside to Abraham. He says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So we see obedience in Abraham. We see obedience in Isaac. And we see the Lord, thy God, providing a lamb for sacrifice or burnt offering. In the story of Abraham and Isaac that I just read, you see that a lamb is being offered um, up as a sacrifice for Isaac in place of. And We're going to continue this development as we move into the nation of Israel. And we're going to move into Exodus 12. If you have your scriptures, you're more than welcome to look at that. But right now, um, specifically, I want to run through just the history of Israel, in case you're curious. With the nation of Israel was held captive um, slaves in Egypt, some of you may not know how they got there. You have in the line of prophets, Abraham, Isaac, and then you have Jacob, Isaac's son. Jacob had 12 children, and all of them members of, and what we would call the tribes of Israel, One of them specifically being Joseph, and Joseph was sold into slavery by Judah, mark that name, and he was taken uh, as a slave into Egypt. And as the story goes, most of you may know, the brothers go and seek um, Joseph's help. At that time, Joseph has been promoted because there is a famine in the land, and that is how we see the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes of Jacob, end up in Egypt. While in Egypt, they begin to grow in numbers, close to 2 million before they leave, and they are in captivity for over 430 years. So in Exodus 12, we see Moses, who has been raised up to deliver the nation of Israel out of the hands of Egypt. And so Moses has gone and petitioned the Pharaoh several times, and of course, there has been lots of miraculous plagues and miraculous things done, and the Pharaoh still has not relented. And so the final thing has come, which won't break the Pharaoh, so to speak, and allow them to go. And this is uh, the development of the Passover. In Exodus 12, I'm going to start reading, and you can follow along if you have your Bibles. So Moses and Aaron tell the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall count for your lamb. Your lamb shall be, take note, without blemish a male, a year old, you may take it from a sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Take note of the time. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorsteps and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. So just so you have this in your head so you can see this, they would take a lamb from their flock. They would keep it until the 14th day of the month, then they would slaughter it, and the blood they would paint on the lintel or on the doorstep or on their door frame is what we would say, Um, this blood of the lamb would be put on the frame, okay? And so then some more things are going uh, to be talked about, the entails and some of those things and how uh, they should burn it. And then um, they're told how to exactly eat this with their sandals on their feet and their staff in their hand. In verse 12, there is a very specific reason why the Lord says this. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment for I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So that's where we get the name Passover. He will pass over you and no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So they took a lamb, they slaughtered it, they would paint their doorsteps. And when the destroyer angel came through, where the firstborn of uh, men and also uh, the firstborn of livestock was killed by the destroyer angel, he would pass over any doorways that had the sign of the blood on them. Now, just so you can start to see this imagery, we just went through a year of lockdown for most of us. And in this lockdown, it was very eerie sometimes to be by yourself and in your homes. Can you imagine what it would have been like, the wailing and the crying out as the destroyer passed through the houses that did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorstep? As one by one family members died, livestock died, and of course there is complete death upon the land. Now the Lord goes on in verse uh, Exodus twelve fourteen. This day shall be you uh, be for you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. So I want to point out they're becoming the nation of Israel. This is a feast, the Passover feast that they're supposed to keep, because he's going to do this. I'm going to continue with this story by jumping down to verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his mor- of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorsteps, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house or to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. So Passover is given. They are given instructions on how this plague will play out. The Lord has instructed them to be covered, so to speak, by the blood of the lamb on their doorsteps, with the blood of the lamb, and then they will, uh, he will pass over And we know as you continue on down at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And then we know that the Pharaoh rose up and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, go and serve the Lord. As you have said, take your flocks and your herds. And as you have said, and go and be gone, bless you. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the statue of the Passover. So this is why they, uh, the Passover is still observed today, but also a lamb was given and for each of these families to paint over their doorstep, just like what we saw in Abraham and Isaac, the Lord provided for them, gave them a sign to do this so that he would pass over. So we have the lamb that we see in Isaac and Abraham. We have the lamb at Passover being the thing that breaks Pharaoh, so to speak. And they, um, the Israelites are allowed to leave Egypt. And then we see them move out into the desert. And when they come into the desert, they are given a pattern of worship. Some of us call this the tent of meetings. Um, It's also referred to as a tabernacle. You'll see both of those. And then, of course, when it becomes more permanent, it is referred to as the temple. So I want to just lay this out for you so you can see how a lamb is used here as well. So as they're becoming the nation of Israel, different laws are laid down. In Leviticus 1 verse 10, it says, If his gift, meaning an Israelite, uh, if his gift for a burnt offering is from a flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and Aaron's sons of priest. He shall throw it against the sides of the altar. So they are told in Leviticus one ten that they will bring lambs. And again, they brought lambs in that to offer as burnt offerings. They also brought them um, for atonement of sin. They would come and offer them, bring them into the tent of the meeting. The high priest or the priest would uh, kill it on the altar, take its blood And then he would take the blood and he would throw it against the sides of the altar. So you see the blood being splattered on the altar, much like what you saw with them painting the doorsteps, the blood is being on the altar. So with the pattern of worship that we're seeing here, and remember, the worship was given through ritual. It was given through observing uh, these things. This is the worship to the Lord. He commanded them to do it, to sacrifice lambs and other animals in worship, I just want to point out that these sacrifices are very, very important to the Jewish people. A lamb was used for the sacrifice during the annual Passover, as well as the daily sacrifice for the nation of Israel and for individuals of Israel. So we have, again, the nation of Israel using the lamb. And we know that 700 years before Christ shows up on the scene, we have these words that are being echoed um, by Isaiah. And in Isaiah 53, 7, and Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, he said these words, so 700 years before Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So just so you can wrap your head around this, we know that Jesus was like a lamb being led to slaughter, just as they would have brought a lamb into the temple, into being sacrificed. He was like a lamb being led to slaughter. He did not open his mouth. We also have John the Baptist, when he sees the Lord coming out of the wilderness, he says in John 1, verse 29, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we have John himself calling him the Lamb. We know that in John three sixteen that most people can quote this most people know this one by heart the scripture for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life i'm gonna add on to that to verse 17 for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him remember back to what abraham told isaac the lord would provide his burnt offering what you see in John three sixteen is the fulfillment of the promise that God would provide a sacrifice who would both bear the curse of sin and provide salvation for the world. So 700 years before Christ arrives, Isaiah says he was oppressed, meaning Jesus, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that before its shear is silent. So we open not his mouth. This is why Jesus is often referred to as the lamb. Next episode, we're going to talk more about how he is the lamb and what that means for us. And then in the third episode, we'll talk about Jesus as the lion. Remember, your worth and value were given to you at the cross. You were worth dying for and you're definitely worth fighting for. Join with me next time as we continue to dig deeper into the life we have with King Jesus.